0: Oh, you do know. All right. That's a very cool thing. So this would actually be something that would be said a long, long time ago after the crucifixion of Christ. The disciples would were going around and the kingdom of God was growing. And whenever they would pass each other in the street, they would say this. One would say, He has risen. And then the people would respond back that knew about this risen Christ. They would respond, He has risen indeed. So let's try it one more time. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Amen. Today, the day that we celebrate, the day that changed everything, the day that as Christians we put our our kind of hat on this rack and say, Uh, this thing called resurrection, that Jesus rose from the dead, did what no one else can do, and we celebrate it. And so if you would please turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John in chapter 20. And we're going to read from John chapter 20. If you don't have it, it's going to be on the screen. And we're going to look at the lives of three different people at the resurrection of Christ and maybe just how they relate to us today. and were going to the tomb, so they both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first and he stooping down, looking in, said, "The linen cloths that are lying there, yet he did not go in then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb, and he saw that the linen cloths were in fact lying there, and the hang- and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lined with the others the other linen cloth but folded together in a place all by itself then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed for as yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise again from the dead then the disciples went away again to their own homes but mary She stayed. She stayed and she stood outside of the tomb weeping. And as she was as she wept, she stooped down and she looked inside the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been laid. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, sir, if you have carried carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Now, the very first thing that probably pops out into your mind and which pops out into my mind is this fact that whenever they're talking to Mary, they kind of instantly say, "Uh, woman. Woman, what are you doing? Woman, what are you crying about? And this is Jesus talking to her. Woman. And so I remember some time ago being a young new Christian and uh, coming into the house one day, in which my mom asked me, Lucas, have you done this? In which I turned to her and said, woman! and which she looked at me and I said, what? I'm just trying to be like Jesus. What, what's the problem? It didn't, didn't go over so well. But, you know, just trying, just trying. But here is Mary. Imagine it. Uh, she has gone through the death she's running up to the up to the tomb she's looking for Jesus he is gone and she is just bawling she is in tears and he is standing right there and she mistook him for a gardener now this is a very common occurrence that he has been mistaken as a matter of fact he was mistaken by a great number of people because all of these people back then they were they were waiting there was prophecy after prophecy there was all these tells and all of these stories that have been told by grandfather and great-grandfather and great-great-grandfather of this one who will come of this jesus that will come and take away our sins and so everyone is looking in great anticipation for a savior But the problem is the way in which they were looking for him. See, they were looking for him to come in a kingdom, much like the kingdom that, well, that they're used to and everyone knows. Except for he came in a very, very different way. See, he came as a baby in a manger. And he was very, very ordinary. Matter of fact, we're told that there really wasn't this kind of beauty to him. He looked like anyone else. As a matter of fact, upon his arrest, he had to be pointed out which one is Jesus. And so there was something that was very easily could be mistaken about Jesus because they had it in their minds that, well, we're looking for a king and this is how kings look and kings don't look like this. They, kings don't get born in stables. And, and now here's what's funny is even after the resurrection, he's still being mistaken. See, there's this... there's Now we fast forward 2,000 years later, and we we wait, and we look towards, man, if we could just see Jesus, and yet we think, well, it's after the resurrection. We're kind of looking for halos, and we're looking for, like, white clouds, and people to just kind of just, oh, an angel sing, and yet she says, man, he looks like a gardener. He looks ordinary, and this is after the resurrection, as a matter of fact, uh, there, there's another story in another gospel where two men are walking this road to this place called Emmaus. And where they're walking, they're walking with another man which they're supposed to be a traveler. I just, oh, so first he's a gardener, then he's a traveler. And, but, but there's something that's altogether ordinary about this man Jesus, but yet there's something that's altogether different. You see, once Jesus said Mary's name something in her changed. When he said, Mary, I know that voice. He knows my name. And there was something that clicked in her and she said, teacher, Rabboni, it is you. He has risen. And then there was something about these other guys that were walking this road to Emmaus after they said, man, did your heart not burn within you? Was there not something about this guy's words that just, man, it just connected. Have you ever been around people like that? That you just get around them and it's just like, wow, there's something about this person that I just connect with. There's something that is, wow, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And, and oftentimes it comes from people that we would least expect. Sometimes it comes from people like the gardener, like the traveler. And so sometimes Jesus can be very easily mistaken. Um, A few weeks ago, I went up to Wrightsville Beach to this place called Wrightsville Glass, uh, which glasses surfboards. And I'm talking to one of the guys in there, and he is a Christian, and we're just kind of talking about uh, Christ and the Bible. And he begins to tell me this story um, that him and his wife had. And they were getting ready for church one Sunday morning, and he comes out, and uh, he just kind of, you know, he's a surfer, and he has on his, his... his shirt, his shorts, and uh, his flip-flops. And his wife looks at him and says, no, 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 no. You're not going to church like that. He's like, what? What's the problem? He's like, I think if Jesus, you know, I think Jesus wore flip-flops and sandals back in the day. So what's the problem? And she said, well, Jesus isn't here today. And so you're going to wear some shoes. And which he says, he replied, oh, but he is. He's in my heart. <laughs> And then he took off his flip-flops and put on his shoes. Because we all know, happy wife, happy life. There was something all together. See, you know, we, we look for Jesus sometimes, I think, in the wrong places. Sometimes we kind of look towards our pastors or, or deacons or elders or people that kind of should be our spiritual leaders. And the fact is sometimes Jesus shows up in gardeners. He shows up at the checkout counter at Walmart. He shows up in every once in a while traffic, you know. It's a rare occasion, but you're supposed to. Side note, it shouldn't be called the speed limit. It should be called the speed minimum, just so. I know we have a police officer in here, too, but I do not drive a blue truck at all. So I'm just, just saying it should be. Jesus shows up, and he's often mistaken, though. He's often, matter of fact, there's this moment in the book of Luke in chapter 7 where Jesus is at this dinner party. And kind of some of uh, the spiritual leaders of the day invite him and say, Jesus, come and dine at our house. And this would be a big deal to have Jesus there because he was a rabbi. He was a teacher. And to be a teacher would be, well, that was kind of like the, the superstars of the day. They would go town to town. And so to have him in your house was a big deal. So Jesus comes, and he's having dinner with these guys when all of a sudden this woman comes in. Now, this woman has a certain reputation, but she goes up to Jesus and she breaks this bottle of oil and she begins to wash the feet of Jesus. And to which the other people in the house say, wait a second, something's not right here. Jesus, do you know what manner of woman this is that's touching your feet? And to which Jesus replies and says, let me tell you a story. There were once these two guys and uh, they were in great debt. Well, one of them was in great debt to his master, and the other one was just in a little bit of debt to his master. And so the master of the house calls them forward and says, listen, both of you guys are forgiven. And to which he asked this question, well, which one, the one who had been forgiven of the great debt or the one who had been forgiven of the little debt, which one do you imagine loved more? And to which they replied, well, the one who was forgiven of the great debt, of course. He said, well, which you have answered rightly. See, he who has been forgiven of much loves much. And see, there's this reality to the nature of the cross that we all have been forgiven of much. The differences are recognizing of just how much we have been forgiven of. See, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us was that man that was greatly indebted to God. And the difference between how we relate and how we recognize God is in recognizing just how much we have been forgiven of. See, if you think that there's nothing to be forgiven of, well, you'll miss him. You'll miss Jesus. You'll not recognize him when he's around. And so Mary's there, and she's missing the very thing that she's looking for matter of fact the very thing that she's in tears and she's weeping and she's crying and just all of this this distress where is my lord if you've taken him (gasps) he's right there could it be that sometimes we are missing the very things that we're looking for and so this is part of mary's story and then there's also john in the story john gets news of The resurrection of christ and he goes and he is running towards the temple uh now john historically is one of the more uh if not the youngest disciples of the group this is the guy that we find uh leaning on the breast of jesus at the last supper this is the guy that we find um actually at the cross the the one disciple that's at the feet of jesus and jesus does this he actually stops death itself He's in the middle. He's hung on this cross, and he stops, and he looks down, and he sees John. And he says, listen, John, look, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. See, in the midst of everything that's going on, Jesus stops and says, listen, John, I want you to know it's going to be all right. I want you to know that you, even in the midst of this, you're not alone. Woman. Behold thy son, son, behold thy mother. And see, what's interesting about this is that John is writing this particular uh, portion of Scripture in in this book. This is the one that is writing this gospel of Jesus Christ. And what's amazing is the way that he announces himself and refers himself all throughout the book. And it's this, the disciple whom Jesus loved. Every time in the book of John, he doesn't use his name, but he says this, and there was the disciple whom Jesus loved which is very, very interesting because I think if I was the one writing the book, I would write, and the disciple who loved Jesus. But what he writes is the one whom Jesus loved. And I love that because it just shows us that everything about this man, John, his entire identity, his entire being wasn't wrapped around what he could do, but it's about what God can do. It was the one, it's the very fact that I am because he loves me. The one whom Jesus loved. Everything about me. I just want the world to know that, man, it's because Jesus loves me. And I love the fact that here here he is. Everything about him is wrapped up in this. And yet we find him at the tomb. We find him running towards this tomb in great anticipation. But when he gets there, he gets to the door. He stops. And he doesn't go in. See, there's this moment of... They said, we had not yet understood the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. And so he's there and he's waiting and he's on the edge, but he can't quite go in. Have you ever had these moments? Have you ever had that letter that comes in the mail that says IRS? And you look at it and you just can't open it? like No. And then it just sits there on the table for a few days. Or it's that doctor's call or it's that something that, wow i just i don 't want to really know i don 't want to kind of seal it and so John is there, and there 's this moment of just i can 't go in i, I, I don't i don 't know if I want to know that it 's really over or and see his identity is being tested because everything about him is my whole life is in the fact that Jesus loves me, and now he 's gone, and so he finds his life just marries in tears, and he 's just standing there like. I don't even know if I could go in. I don't know if I could do this. And then something happens. Peter arrives. And Peter, no hesitation at all. Peter just, hey, door, go in. Boom. See, the amazing thing about this friendship, John and Peter, we we find them together all the time. And these are complete opposite guys. You know, Peter's constantly the guy with his foot in his mouth. He's constantly saying the wrong thing, doing the wrong thing. But yet you've got to, you've got to have friends like that. You've got to have Peter. Because when Peter comes in, he kind of goes through the door, and it gives John the, I could do this too. You see, sometimes we just need a friend to show us the way. Sometimes we just need to see someone else at work saying, you know what? I love Jesus. And wait a minute. Oh, wait. I could say, I love Jesus too. You know? And we need someone else to just kind of give us that gentle little listen. You know what? You know you're right. I can do this. I can go in. And so and so Peter shows up and he, he jumps into this tomb and, and and John follows and and Mary's crying. They're trying to figure out exactly what's going on. And this is an amazing moment because if we were to rewind and we were to look in another gospel, actually in the Gospel of Mark, we get a little bit more detail about this moment in the story. And there's this moment where Mary is speaking and. To one of the angels, and the angel says, This, I want you to go back and I want you to tell the other disciples and Peter that he is risen, that he's not in this tomb. Now, this is crazy because go and tell the other disciples and Peter? Like, wait a minute, isn't Peter a disciple? Has he somehow lost his disciple status? Has something happened that. Why would we single out Peter? It's kind of like one of those things where um, we would love to thank all the musicians today, and the drummer. You know, it's kind of that moment of was that an insult? Like, is that a compliment? Or I don't know, I'm not sure. So go and tell all the disciples and Peter. You know, wait, wait a second. Why Peter? But see, it's not an insult at all. See, because Peter is going through something completely different than the rest of the disciples. Peter's going through something different than Mary. Peter's going through something different than John. Because Peter, just a few moments before, a few days before, has denied Christ. Now this is the same guy that says, listen, Jesus, though all leave you, though everyone may go their own way, I'm never going to leave you. Just listen, before the night's over, the rooster's going to crow three times. You're going to deny me three different times. No, not me. I mean, this is Peter, like, this is the man, this is the leader of the disciples. He was kind of like the guy that gets things done. Jesus, call me out on the water. This is the same guy that took a few steps of walk, walking with Jesus on the water. This is the guy that, I mean, Peter's a guy of faith, and, and everything about him says, like, but this guy's the superhero. This is This is the leader. This is the guy that you want in charge, and yet, you know... Everyone else, if they deny you, not me. Jesus said, listen, you don't know what you're saying. And so Peter has denied him. And what's amazing is not just that he's denied him, but the manner in which he denied him. See, it says that there was a servant girl that questioned him, that found him in the crowd and said, wait, aren't you one of the disciples? No, I'm not one of the disciples. So it it was just a servant girl that he denied. See, it wasn't a king. It wasn't some person in leadership. It was just an average person that made this great leader shiver and fear that she might find out exactly who he is. And so when Peter is there, he is going through all of these things and they're pointing out, listen, go and tell the disciples and Peter. And it's not this kind of insult thing. It's this kind of, I want Peter to know it's okay. It's okay that you failed. It's okay you denied me. Come on. My arms are open. I want you to know it's okay. Come on in, Peter. And see he is he's done the one thing that he thought he wouldn't do. And see he he unlike John, John there at the cross at the feet of Jesus. When behold I son, son behold my Peter nowhere to be found. But here's what's amazing, even though Peter wasn't there at the cross, he saw and he knew what was going on. Because this place in which they crucified Jesus, this hill called Golgotha, this was a place that was right outside of the city walls, right outside the city, And it was right there on a main road where travelers, if you were traveling to or from, this is the road that you took. And so this place in which they crucified Christ was kind of the place in which the city says, listen, if you come into our city and if you're a murderer or if you're a thief, if you're an outcast, this is what we will do to you. And so the people that were coming into Jerusalem, they saw this. The the city's letting them know this is what will happen. So wherever you were at, you could still catch a glimpse. And so Peter, even though not there, I could imagine him standing from a distance and looking and seeing, hey, this is the very one that I've spent the last three years following. I've spent three years of my life following this guy's very footsteps, everything about him. I know I've been there for all of the healings. I've seen him uh, feed five thousand people. I've seen this guy walk on water. I've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead, and now, well, times have gotten kind of bad, and they're crucifying him. And it says this that as Jesus was being led, Peter fell back into the crowd, and he fell back. And fell, see, he was he was just close enough. To kind of know what was going on. But he was far enough away back to blend in with everyone else. And the fact is sometimes that's true of our lives. See we could be just close enough to know everything that's going on. We know who the greatest preachers are. We know all the latest new worship music. We uh, listen to K-Love on our radio, and we have all these things. We know who's hot and we know who's not. We know all the lingo. We could quote all the Bible verses, but yet we still kind of follow at just enough of a distance that we try to blend into the crowd. And Jesus is saying, go and tell the disciples and Peter, it's okay. Come on in. See, this Resurrection Sunday, it's a reminder that he came to seek and save those who are lost. And it doesn't matter how big you have failed. And it doesn't matter if you are a million miles away or if you're like Peter, if you're just 50 feet away and yet you're still at a distance. He's saying, it's okay. Come home. Because the reality is you can look at Peter and say, this guy's a superstar. You can look at him and say, man, if anyone... Can know anything about Jesus. It can know anything about this guy. It's this Peter. It's this, this superhero. But the reality of the gospel message is there are no superstars. We all have sinned and fallen short. And Jesus still is opening his arms and welcoming us, uh, welcoming us in. See, the Bible says in John chapter 10 and verse 10, it says this I have come that you may have life and life more abundant. One translation says life to its fullest, rich and satisfying full life. The message says this. I came so that you could have real and eternal life better than you've ever dreamed of. Sometimes we forget about this gift of life. Just how precious it is that we would have life and life more abundant. Um, there's, if the band could go ahead and come back up, too. There was this uh, moment, I don't know, maybe uh, a month ago now, where I'm at my house, and uh, just kind of normal night, everything's going good. And all of a sudden, I go to stand up, and there is this pain in my body, like I have never felt before. And it's right here in in my kind of lower back, And I go from standing to just falling on the ground. And I say, Devin, something's wrong. I don't know what it is, but something's wrong. And I kind of like, I had to keep this leg straight the whole time because it kind of just felt better if this leg was straight for some reason. And I have no clue what's happening. I think that like some organ is just blowing up or something inside of me. I've, I've lost, I don't even know what's over there, livers or kidneys, lungs. I mean, it all just blew up on the inside you know it's, it's not just a pulled muscle something's happening and i just say hospital now and i literally crawl into the car and we're in the car and i'm trying to be like this because it feels just a little bit better and i'm trying to pray but it hurts so bad that i can't even pray lord if you, did, uh, if you did, uh. and then all i could do is start to say the name of jesus but I couldn't even say his whole name. I tried to say Jesus, and it'd be like, Jesus, Oh, GG. GG. O- G- G- Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus. And, was like, and then I started praying stuff. Like, praying stuff I don't even know if I believed. But just, whatever it takes, God, this hurts. And we get to the emergency room, and we pull up, and I literally open the door, and I'm crawling out into the emergency room. And at this moment, I'm thinking, you know, something's wrong. I'm about to die at any moment. And to which the girls behind the counter are just kind of like... like, "No, I want y'all to move fast. Start running or something. I want to see papers flying and stuff, I'm going to die, get some doctors." And now they're just, "We need to check into the system. Check me into the system. You're about to check me out of the system. I'm dying here!" And they like pull up a wheelchair so, I, I, I'll crawl. Just find me a doctor." and I'm going through this and I literally, I, cause I've, I'm not, I've never really experienced this. I've only had stitches. And, uh, <laughs> so I don't know what's happening. I've never heard this stuff. And, uh, only thing that's coming through my mind is I want to live and I want to see my daughters grow up. I'm like, God, I'm just I'm too young. I, I got to see my daughter grow up. I've got to see her live. And I want to see her have this life, like for for her sake. God, now's not the time. And so, like, I'm just in pain and I'm hurting. And then, the doctor is still again, just kind of calm attitude. And I'm like, no. And like, well, can you pee? I'm like, I'll try to pee. <laughs> and then I pass this kidney stone. And then I feel great. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm good now. And they're like coming in with the morphine then. No, I don't need it now. (laughs) An hour ago, when you were checking me into the system in the lobby, is when I needed it. And uh, all I'm thinking is, God, thank you for life. Thank you for this life. And I realized that as a Christian, even though we we all go through these things kidney stones, (laughs) we all have these moments where, man, life throws some stones at us. But there's the reality to this gospel message that as a follower of Jesus Christ there's resurrection and there is hope and that no matter what life throws our way we like the disciples we could sing in prison we could we could look up to heaven when people throw stones at us to kill us and say wow god see we could be poor and yet make many rich. We could be hungry and yet find ourselves fully satisfied. We could have nothing and yet possess all things. For this gospel message of resurrection, this message of life. And so maybe this morning you're in here and you find yourself like Mary and you've run to the tomb and your eyes are just full because your life just feels like it's been destroyed. Something's been taken away from you, and you don't know where it is, and you're looking, and God, why why this extreme loss? What is it? The one person that loved me, and now he's gone. Jesus is saying he's closer than you think. As a matter of fact, you may have mistaken him for a gardener. Or maybe you're in here, and you're like John, and you just feel like something's happening. Your entire identity has been taken away from you, and you just don't know who you are. God's saying, listen, I want you to know it's okay. You are not alone. Or maybe you're here and you're like Peter and you failed over and over again. Matter of fact, maybe you failed on the way to church this morning. And God's saying, go and tell the disciples and Peter and Lucas and Chris and Dakota and Steve and Mary Tell them it's okay. All is forgiven. There's power in the blood of Jesus. And it's more powerful than anything that you have done. Let's pray. Lord, this morning, as we celebrate resurrection, God, we just say thank you. We thank you for your blood. And Lord, this morning, if there's someone in this room that is far away from you. Or maybe there's someone that's not far away at all, but maybe like Peter, they're just following at a distance. They're close enough to hear the music, but not close enough to really worship. This morning you're drawing them, you're drawing them in. You're drawing them close. And so with every eye closed, with every head bowed, if you're in here this morning and that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you or anything, but I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up in the air for a second. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Five or six people that are coming close to God this morning is there anyone else that God's just drawing you near saying come home all is forgiven it doesn't matter what you've done It doesn't matter where you've been doesn't matter if you're a prodigal doesn't matter if you're the other son that's never left home come home thank you for that hand thank you for that hand thank you for that hand All is forgiven. It's a brand new day. Resurrection Sunday. Life and life more abundantly. There's about 10 people that raised their hands. And so for this moment, still with everyone in this attitude, I'm not going to lead you in a prayer. But for those of you that have raised your hand, I just want you to, in your heart, just talk to Jesus. Say, God, I need you. God, I'm coming home. Here's my life. Even the parts that I don't want to give you. God, you're my future. God, you're my past. You're everything. Just talk to him for a moment. If we'd all stand, we're going to sing one more song and just thank God for everything that He's done and everything that He's doing. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith hope and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org. Fountain All who will sail the rivers of harmony come to the